tuned into Breaking the Mask of Depression with your host, Diva with Depression. Hey everybody, I hope everyone is doing well. Welcome to Breaking the Mask of Depression with me, Diva with Depression. Happy Mental Health Awareness Month. All month, everywhere and everyone should be talking about mental health, mental health awareness, mental illness awareness, and how we can move forward and make some strides in ending the stigma of depression, ending the stigma of bipolar disorder, ending the stigma of schizophrenia, ending the stigma of mental illness, period because there's no way that we should be living in 2022 and people with mental illnesses still be treated, being treated the way that they are. So keep being loud, keep wearing your green. Lime green is the color for Mental Health Awareness Month, if, if you didn't know. So if you have something lime green, break it out and wave it around and get loud. <laughs> Thank you for joining me today. Today, I'm coming to you live and direct from my truck. <laughs> you guys know that I always have to update you on where I'm coming from because you just never know. But I had to bring a friend to the doctor and I wanted to make sure that I got some uh, a podcast out to you guys today. So I said, well, let me try my first um, car podcast. <laughs> You know, everybody else does it. So let's see how it works out. So if you hear a, a bird chirp or two, just enjoy it. Today, we're going to talk about relationships. I always say that mental illness is one of the loneliest diseases out there because it's hard for people to recognize that number one, that you're suffering from mental illness. And number two, they don't know how to handle it. Most people know what to do if you have a physical illness. They know how to help you. You know, they know that they can, you know, help you walk or, you know, go, you know, go on errands for you. But when you're living with a mental illness, I believe people from the outside looking in think that everything is okay. You have all your faculties and they don't need to help you. And as you know, living with a mental illness, that is not true. Some of us are struggling. Some of us don't get out of the house. Uh, I know myself, you know, I don't know how many times a week I get out, but it's not many, <laughs> you know, it's not every day. And, you know, there are times when I would like somebody to drive me somewhere or someone to call and say, you know, can I drop dinner off or, you know, running, run an errand for you. Those are just examples. You know, there are people that are more introverted than I am. There are people that have phobias that don't like to leave their house or they don't like to be out in public or in social settings. So these are things that we can't see, but they do exist and people are, are struggling with them. And so when it comes to relationships, and I'm not just talking about romantic relationships, I'm talking about romantic relationships, I'm talking about friendships, I'm talking about family relationships, they all suffer and and I hate to say all because I don't want to sound like gloom and doom 
but this is the case because people just don't understand what you're going through. And so, you know, when you get diabetes or if you get heart disease, then people say, well, you know, that that's a genetic thing and, you know, or that's a physical illness. So we know where that came from. So we can, you know, get on board with that. But they think that mental illness is something sort of exaggerated or something kind of make up, made up. They don't understand that mental illness can be genetic also. Mental illness is environmental also. Mental illness is, is it's biology, you know, it's, it's experiences. You know, trauma is, contributes to mental illness. You know, your environment, where you grow up, the neighborhood that you grow up in, um, the experiences that you deal with in that neighborhood or, or how you grow up in that neighborhood, that affects your mental health. Uh, your work environment, uh, and I can tell you, yes, your work environment contributes to mental illness. So these are all factors that go into mental illness on top of genetics. Mental illness is a hereditary disease. And we have to start with that. And when we're talking to people and we're letting them know about our mental health, we need to let them know that this is something that can definitely be passed down from generation to generation. And so, you know, it can't be ignored. Just like um, diabetes is passed down, so is mental illness. And so, you know, I, I wrote a... <clears throat> I've written several blogs about, you know, my, my relationship and the struggle with my relationship while I lived with, you know, while living with my mental illness and while I was involved in that relationship. I also speak very candidly about my friendships and um, maybe not so candidly about my family um, relationships as far as my mental health is concerned. But I wanted to share today that you know, um, it can get very lonely um, having a mental illness. I, I found something on um, mentalhealth.org that I wanted to share. It says, our survey found that 62% of people who reported being lonely often or always said that feelings of loneliness had a negative effect on their mental health. 62% said that loneliness has an impact, a negative impact on their mental health. And I wanted to start that off because I've been saying for the past, I I share with you guys that I am an empty nester. Um, But more than that, you know, I'm an empty nester. I'm not in a relationship. So I am home by myself most of the time. And for the past eight months to a year, the loneliness has really, really impacted me. I mean, it really has crept up on me. And, you know, there are some days where I lay there and I'm like, this shit is crazy. Like, I don't have anybody to talk to. You know, I don't have anybody to watch TV with. I don't have anybody to take a walk with. I don't have anybody to just to just be with. You know, 90% of my time, I am by myself. And you know, sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad. You know, when you're leaving a a horrible relationship, 
you know, of course, when you first get out of it, you're like taking those deep breaths and you're enjoying your free time. You're enjoying not having that sort of negative energy around. You know, when when your children leave the nest, you are excited that they are going out on their own. And you're excited that, you know, you may not have to carpool anymore and you may not have to, you know, have those chores anymore. But after a while, it's like, well, wow, what do I do now? And um, I will tell you that um, empty nest syndrome is one of the top things that's listed on my medical report from when I was hospitalized in 2018. And um, I knew that it was a thing, but I didn't know that it was a thing thing, (laughs) you know, if you know what I'm saying. And I am going to do a separate podcast just for that, because I think that, you know, there's also um, some fogginess, (laughs) you know, surrounding that. But you know, initially, when when you're by yourself, you're saying, Oh, I can breathe, I I don't have to cook if I don't want to, I don't have to clean if I don't want to, I can watch what I want on TV. But when that sort of creeps up, and it's 50% of the time, 90% of the time, and, and you're, you're by yourself all the time, it really, really sort of sucks the life out of you. You know, when you sit down and you think about it, like, wow, I don't have, I don't have anybody. You know, and people don't like to hear that you say that out loud because your friends and your family get offended. But the the, the bottom line is, is that when you're in your house and no one else is there, you are lonely. Yes, you can meet people for coffee. Yes, you can meet people for dinner. Yes, you can go visit. But when you're home, you're by yourself and there are loads, millions and millions of people that are by themselves, you know, elderly people that live alone, you know, that don't have any children or don't have any friends in the area, they are by themselves. And so loneliness sort of contributes to the height of your mental illness. And I don't think that that's something that we discuss anymore. You know, so um, today, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, hit you with a million Google facts, <laughs> you know, because these are things that I can talk about from experience. Um, it's, you know, it's rough, it's rough, but it's even more difficult when people just don't understand what you're going through. And if you don't know what the hell you're going through, it's hard for you to explain it to people. And so it's just, you know, it turns into a circle, you know, it's just a, a, a never ending circle of misunderstandings and, um, loneliness. So the first thing that I want to start with is romantic relationships, because, you know, we all have them, (laughs) you know, we all exist in them. And um, I think that that when it comes to mental illness, that's something that worries a lot of people. It's something that most people talk about um, the side effects of mental illness and how it affects their romantic relationships. So I will tell you that. I was in a relationship for for many years, uh, forever and ever and ever. And when I first started having my symptoms and my breakdown, you know, um, my partner was not very attentive. And, um, you know, he wasn't attentive before to certain things, but being sick, it made it even worse. And so that means that 
you know, I was sick and the care for my house and my children and everything fell on me. And when it came to light, what I was really struggling with, you know, initially there's care there. Initially there's concern there. But then after a while, it's like, well, look, you know, your, your, your limbs aren't broken. <laughs> um, you know, you can get up and you can get around and you can cook and you can do whatever. And I think that he overlooked the fact that, you know, this was a real illness and that, you know, for example, I'm taking medication. So that means that I should not be driving my children around, you know, um, the medication makes me tired. So I should not be, you know, obligated to cook every night or, or whatever. And so, you know, um, there was a lot of neglect there um, on his part. And he also refused to learn about what I was living with. And so that made it even more difficult. Um, that caused a lot of animosity on my end and a lot of anger on his end. But he had the opportunity. You know, it, it's not like I was hiding my illness. You know, it's not like we were just dating. I was very upfront with what I was going through and what I was struggling with. He had the opportunity to talk to the counselors. He had the opportunity to come to the hospital and talk to the doctors, but he never took those opportunities. So he had no idea what I was really going with and therefore ignored it. And so that caused, you know, anger and it caused loneliness on my part because I couldn't share what I was going through with the person that was with me every single day. And the, the second thing is medications, you know, side effects of medications. A lot of time your partner doesn't understand the side effects and the drowsiness, the nausea, the anxiety, uh, the sexual side effects, you know, which is a big thing, which I shared with you before. Um, and, and they're still trying to operate like you're, um, um, air quotes, a normal person and you're not. You know, because you are, your your physical health is being affected by these medications. And so um, <laughs> I wrote a blog called, um, I'm sorry, you're not feeling well, but can we have sex now? Because they have no idea that, you know, you know, they're just thinking, you know, well, I need to, you know, have some intimate relations. They're not thinking about the fact that your medicine is making you sick. Your medicine is making you tired. Your medicine is making it um, difficult for you to participate 100%. And so that's another area where mental illness can cause a breakdown and cause a problem. And, you know, some partners are just not prepared for that. You know, they don't, they feel like if they're not being intimate, then that's like 95% <laughs> of the relationship and they don't want to be bothered with that. So, you know, to remedy that, I, I always share with people that you have to be honest with your partner when it comes to mental, your mental illness. Try to include them on every decision, you know, try to include them on information. You know, most therapists and psychiatrists will share information. You know, if you're in a relationship, they will share. Um, there's loads of information online. Um, so just try to get your partner to be more involved in what's going on. You know, talk, read the side effects when you pick up your medication. Read it together. 
so that they are aware of, you know, what your body is going through and they can help you through it and be more understanding. And, um, and don't let them off the hook, guys. Don't let them off the hook because, you know, if someone says that they're in a relationship with you and they love you and, you know, this is forever and ever, then they have to take the forever and ever, you know, um, and, and if they're not prepared for, for forever and ever, then, you know, you go from there, but you, you don't need to be struggling with the mental illness and medication and, and side effects and, and all of that, and then have to deal with someone who's really not concerned about your well-being. That's just not the way it should be. And so, <clears throat> you know, you have to, you have to decide when 100% is being given and when 10% is being given and how to move forward from there. You know, I, I read a quote that says, if you don't feel loved, you will feel incomplete. And mental illness already makes you feel incomplete. Your relationship should not make you feel incomplete. And, and so, you know, some of the feelings that come with our relationships, and, and this goes across the board, romantic relationships, friendships, family, you know, we feel insecure. We feel like we're not enough. Um, we sort of get paranoid. Um, we feel like, you know, in, in a romantic relationship, you sort of worry about them being attracted to you um, because of your mental illness or because of your not being able to participate 100%. Um, and, and the list goes on and on. So um, these are things that you have to be vocal about. And your partner has needs and they should be vocal about their needs, but you should also be vocal about your needs too because that's just an, as important. And that's part of erasing the stigma by coming together and and working together for both of you to be healthy and move forward in a relationship. Now, when it comes to family, listen, that's a whole nother ball game. Um, it, it, it's, whew, you know, the family thing sort of falls into the generational trauma thing. Um, and that all depends on the relationship that you have with your parents, that you have with your siblings, that you have with your other immediate family members. Um, so, you know, that could be, that could be, uh, you know, kind of, kind of rough, you know, um, my, I don't have a relationship with great relationship with my mom and my dad. Well, I didn't, my, my father passed away. I didn't have a good relationship with him. Um, I don't have a good relationship with my mother. Um, so that, you know, contributes to my mental illness and, and my mental stress. Um, my mental illness, part of it is also genetic and hereditary. And I find that when it comes down to family members, if they acknowledge wholly, if they wholly acknowledge your mental illness, then that means that they may have to accept that they had a part in it or that they may be struggling with it too. And that's very, very difficult for some people to do. You know, I do have family members, um, one or two that live with, more than two, I shouldn't say that, but 
they live with a mental illness, depression, mainly depression, and they're very, um, they're not as honest as I am, not as open as I am. They're very honest about it, but they're not as open about it. But they also appreciate that I'm open about it um, and open about um, the genetic side of it um, because that, that opens the door to sort of recognizing what your grandparents went through, what your ancestors went through. Um, I had um, one family member, uh, my uncle, who suffers and lives with depression, is very, very honest about it. And he's always been super supportive, supportive of me and loving and caring and um, accepting. And for me, just having one person in my family that, and let me stop, I, I have more than one person, but at least having at least one person in the family who is wholly supportive of you makes a difference, you know, because they sort of understand what you're going through because they're going through it and they can sort of <laughs> soften the blow with other family members, you know, who may say, oh, well, she never comes to anything. Well, then that person can un explain why I might not be there or explain why my actions are this way or that way. So that helps. Um, also me sharing my experiences, I have noticed that it has helped with younger family members who are going through, through things that they are not aware of. They, they don't know what it is, but hearing me talk about it, it's, it's helped them to get help. So, you know, your familiar relationships can, can be good and they can be bad. My brothers are very supportive and they understand that this is real and this is what I struggle with. But I honestly believe that they have a difficult time um, handling the side effects, you, you know, and the, the symptoms and, and what I have become. And I think that, number one, it's difficult for them to, to accept that. And number two, it's, they sort of don't understand it because they, they don't know what, you know, everybody's symptoms are different. So I can say that, you know, my brothers have struggled with their their bouts with mental illness, but it was wholly different, totally different from what I, I struggle with. And, you know, although we're siblings and we were raised in the same home, the, the past experiences and the past trauma have affected me completely different from how they have affected them. And so it's sort of hard to understand how that happens, you know, but it's sort of the same as if you grow up in the same house and one person becomes a serial killer and the other person becomes a doctor and, and saves the world, you know, you just don't know where it goes, but it's still hard to understand how to move through that. Um, but they are f fully supportive and I know that they love me and I know that they would do whatever they can to make me better. And, um, but it's just hard, like I say, I say all the time, it's far, hard for me to explain to them what I'm going through. Um, so I know that it's even more difficult than for them to, to look inside and see what I'm going through. Um, other family members have not been so nice about it. Um, I've been called crazy. I've been called dramatic. Um, I've been talked about. Um, I've been shamed, you know. Um, and initially those things hurt, 
you know, because your family is supposed to love you unconditionally. But after the initial emotional phase left my body, I realized that some of them are broken too. And that if they, again, if they have to accept what I'm going through, then there's a possibility that they're dealing with it too. And they'd rather be ugly about it than to accept the pain that they're in. Um, and so um, I don't know how, you know, I, I'm i not, um, I keep saying God's not finished with me yet. I'm not a forgiving person. I, I'm, I'm not there yet, completely forgiving people. So, you know, when people shit on me and they have shamed me and ridiculed me and um, been emotionally abusive to me, I, I'm not in the forgiveness stage. So, you know, you may be different. <clears throat> you know, even though I recognize what the problem is, that doesn't mean that I have gotten to the point where I can ex accept it and forgive and move on. I haven't gotten there yet. Um, so if you have those type of situations within your family, just know that there's a way for you to reconcile it without um, advancing to the forgiveness stage and and moving on everything takes time and um, you just have to keep rolling with the people that roll with you um, love the people that love you accept the people that accept you um, and just because they're family members be aware that just because they're family members they are not <coughs> going to love you unconditionally and accept your illness unconditionally and you have to be prepared for that and the third feel, the third relationship is friendships. Now, I'm an only girl, so I always say that um, God has blessed me with some truly amazing friends, and I'm lucky because I have made friends that have turned into sisters. And without some of those sisters, I probably wouldn't be here today. And you know, that's important because you need to have a support system when you are living with these illnesses. You need to feel like you belong to something because it is such a lonely situation. You want to know that you have at least one or two people in your corner. So I am actually very, very lucky. Um, I have one that prays for me every day and you know says good morning and says good evening I have another one that says how are you what can I do for you today and really that's that's huge you know it's a it's a little sentence but it's huge and considering what I've been through in the friend department <laughs> you know I'm I'm honored you know when I had my breakdown at work, there were people that I never heard from again. You know, people that I, I had in my home, uh, broke bread with, started businesses with, you know, um, our children or friends and our families were connected. And the day that they took me out of that job, I never heard from those people again. And that's kind of heartbreaking because I thought that they were friends, you know, and and all you had to do was just 
call and say, how are you? Text to say, how are you? Ask someone, how are you? You know, I know that there are situations where people feel like they don't know what to say. Um, but how you doing? You know, <laughs> that, that's it. It's simple. How are you? You know, or, or like my sister says, what can I do for you today? How, how might, can I help you? You know, if I say that I'm not feeling well, how can I help you today? You know, um, I'm going to pray that you feel better later. It's just that simple. You know, I, I always tell the story of my brother's battle with cancer a couple of years ago. And he received cards. He received gifts. He received phone calls. I mean, people were falling out the woodwork, <laughs> you know, and... I, I take nothing away from that, of, of course, um, but it it was enlightening to me because it showed that this was a physical illness and it was something that people weren't afraid to acknowledge, you know, and, and he had a support system. He had a visible support system, you know, um, and I have been sick for years. You know, and there are people that have never taken the time to check up on me or to send a card or, you know, send a text, send an email. Um, and I don't expect everybody to be like me. I mean, you know, I'll throw a card and a cake in the mail <laughs> in, in a minute. I don't expect people to be like that. But, you know, just to reach out to say, how are you? You know, I mean, people didn't even check on my kids, you know, how are the girls doing, you know, and, and so there are some things that I have gotten past, you know, but there are, there are some situations that still sting a little. Um, and when I'm in a time and a space of loneliness, like I am right now, um, and, and I posted this the other day that the loneliness that I'm feeling right now is just overwhelming to me and it's something that I've never experienced before and um so it's times like these that I sort of you know those things sort of sting because you, you, I have time to think about it you know but I'm I'm forever grateful for the people that are there for me and I don't want you to get discouraged because there's always one person you know and like I always say, and, and I'm not bullshitting, <laughs> you know, when I say you got me, you got me. If you need somebody to talk to, you got me. So that means that you have at least one person in your corner and, you know, just hold on to those people that you do have, um, love them and let them love you, um, and respect them and let them respect you. Now, initially, you may have to teach people how to embrace your illness, how to interact with your illness, but the true souls will stick around. The true souls will change and accommodate you. And that's what counts. The true souls are what really, really counts. So just don't give up hold on 
and embrace it. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Illumination Media and Technology for keeping me on track because trying to keep this brain on track is hell. Follow them on all the social media platforms and hire them. They're one of the best in the tech business. Listen to Breaking the Mask on most podcast platforms. Apple, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Spotify. Um, I'm probably missing Google Podcasts. Go like, share, and I'm not a numbers person. You know, I don't even look at my my numbers and followers and anything unless, you know, somebody asks me for those um, numbers. I really want you to share so that information gets out, so that people know that they're not alone, so that one person can live because of what they're listening to. So please, like and share with your friends and family. Head on over to divawithdepression.com. Sign up. Say hey. If you have any suggestions, if you have anything that you'd like me to discuss, if you have an episode that you like me, you know, uh, um, an idea for an episode, feel free. I'm always open to it because I'm learning new things every single day just like you are. We are in crazy times, guys. So I want you to just stay safe and stay well. Protect your soul, protect your peace, and keep fighting. Love to all. Wow. So, it's just